Hi, I'm Paul Kurtz along with John McDevitt, and we are the Beer and Booze Bros. Today on the podcast, we're a bunch of underdogs. And you know what underdogs is? It's a hungry dog. Hungry dogs run fast. And that's this team. We hit the streets of Philadelphia for a super celebration. Millions turn out for the Eagles Super Bowl victory parade. This is the most excited I'll ever be in my life to drink a Bud Light. And we take a road trip to Cape May Brewery. I hear we have to take this tour. In New Jersey, by law, you have to get a tour of a craft brewery at a tasting room. You have to get a tour before you can get your pint. Um... And later in the podcast... Beer, uh, basically, is responsible for civilization. Boozy Botanicals, the history of beer from a botanist and beer enthusiast. They're spicing things up at a Lebanese restaurant in Fishtown. Cocktails... You know, I'm spoiled for the most part. I get to taste all these beautiful things and incorporate them in the cocktails. With ingredients used in Middle Eastern cooking. And cheese that with a little bit of urfa, which is like a smoked dry pepper, um, which is used in a lot of Lebanese and Syrian dishes, which gives that a little heat on the end. So, John, as you know, the city of Philadelphia had a little celebration recently. That's right. And the Philadelphia Eagles won their first Super Bowl ever. The town went nuts. Yeah, the parade was scheduled to begin at 11 in the morning, but huge crowds were building hours before. As you can imagine, there was a lot of pre-gaming going on, a lot of open containers of alcohol. uh, But the cops looked the other way. We decided this needed to be investigated. So we went to Center City to check it out. This is so exciting. And here we are. Uh, It's about 8.30 in the morning on uh, February uh, 8th. And we're in an alley. What the hell are we doing in an alley by dumpsters? Right? We're not in... We're not in... There's the dumpsters. We're not in any alley, Paul. We are on Drury Street mm-hmm. in Center City. We are outside McGillan's Old Ale House, the oldest continuous operating bar in Philly. How far back do they oldest. go? 18 something? It will, right there, established in 1880. You see the neon sign? I do now. <laughs> And there are, look at all these Eagles fans out. The, the place isn't open on, we got a bunch of... Yeah, so so they open at 10 o'clock. And already there's a line outside waiting for them to open their doors. They're going to have green beer inside. Oh, yeah. green beer. I'm, uh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, and it's one of the uh, Bud Light bars. And why the green beer, he said. Oh, why the green beer? He asked stupidly. Oh, oh. green beer um, because of Eagles green. Eagles won the Super Bowl. Yes, they did. Are you, have you been drinking it? The Eagles won the Super Bowl. That never happens. So uh, here at McGillan's, we're supposed to have green beer. Mm. Uh, it's actually Bud Light beer. And this That's hilarious. That is hilarious. Eagles chance and KYW, they can't get any better than this. Nah, this is a good day. Oh my we're going we're to hear the Eagles chance all day. Eagles win! Come on over and talk to us. 
You already found us some bucks? Oh, uh, I'm all over them. <laughs> a few, a few, yeah, you know. Yeah, you know I got my uh, pocket stuff full, and uh, today's going to be a great day. We're still trying to find out where the free ones are. Bud Light giving one free can of beer to fans at a couple dozen bars along or near the parade route among establishments McGillan's owner, Christopher Mullins. It's the big day. It's here. You're moments away from opening those doors right That's there. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. The side door today. Yep. It's, oh, well, it's, uh, it's, we got, it's they're radio. all lined up, and they're, uh, we have our two Bud Light reps here, and they're going to be handing out to each uh, guest as they come through a token that can be redeemed from any server or bartender, and they'll be getting a can of beer. All right. Oh, Paul, here they come. And they're coming in. Go birds! Okay, guys. All right. So, how long were you guys out there for? About two hours. Two hours. Yeah. So, worth the wait for a free Bud Light? I mean, it's worth the wait for the entire parade. So, you know, the Bud Light is just the kicker on top of it, right? And will you be staying in here most of the day? You're going to go off the parade, or what are you doing? Uh, to be determined, I think. It's you know, warm in here. it is a lot warmer it in here than it's it a, is outside. It's a lot warmer in here than it was outside. And yeah. is this your normal drink of choice? This is the most excited I'll ever be in my life to drink a Bud Light. Uh, no, normally I drink bourbon. Bourbon. Yeah. But for right now. For right now, for n- 10 in the morning, a Bud Light will do just fine. And it was one big party on the streets of Philadelphia. Here we are walking among thousands of Eagles fans, and there's a deli right here, Paul. Uh, a lot of people in line uh, getting their supplies, including beer for the day. Right. Look at the line in there. I, I, I am looking. They got, go the, they got the... Let's go, there you go again. Is that coffee in your cup, sir? Coffee and Miller Lite. <laughs> coffee, coffee and Miller hazelnut Lite? coffee mixed with Miller Lite. Because I didn't squeeze it in the 16 ounce. Because <laughs> I didn't empty out all the coffee, yeah. so I just poured the beer like right so in the hazelnut, uh, you know, hazelnut, hazelnut beer. Yeah. How does it taste? It tastes good. Really? I can't complain. I'm so it's keeping me warm. Yeah. <laughs> That's very inventive. Is this like the best week of your lives? Of course. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. That's in a lifetime thing. Hey, we did Dallas Sucks. Yeah! We did a story on this. So, yeah. so what do you think of Dallas Sucks? Uh, I think it's amazing. Um, the name says it all. Uh, good quality beer. It's a Pennsylvania brewery, so you got to support local breweries. Yeah. And Dallas Sucks. Speaking of craft beer, Yards Brewery was giving away one glass of pale ale to customers. Andrew Hammer's Sticks was among the fans enjoying the day. I was in tears, man. I was in tears. I never thought I'd see the day. Well, it's here, man. So you better believe it, because Philly's here, and we're coming for another one. We're coming for another. You're drinking a pale ale to celebrate? I'm drinking that that Yards Philly Pale Ale. Which which is complimentary. uh, Isn't that cool? To celebrate the Eagles' victory. Yeah. Were you there and they came over here, or were you at the parade? Oh, yeah, I saw the parade. It was spectacular. With us now, uh, start your affiliation, please. Uh, Rick Anstutz with Yards Brewing Company. I'm one of the sales managers. The Harpoon yes. Brewery. Those losers <laughs> from New England <laughs> lost the bet. Well, we they're not losers. They're, they just didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> they did lose the bet, though. We, uh, they, we made a very cool bet with Harpoon. Both two, two aspects to the bet. You know, one, obviously, 
over the game and one over who could sell a ton of beer. And uh, we wanted to make the, the beer part a charity aspect. So we decided that each, each brewery was going to donate a certain amount of money from the sale of one brand specifically from each brewery. So we chose Philadelphia Pale Ale. And for about 10 days leading up to the Super Bowl, for all the Philly Pale that we sold, we were going to donate a portion of that money to Prevention Point in Philadelphia. They're in Kensington. $1 for a pint and $10 per keg? Is that yeah, it basically comes down to about that. Yeah, so every out in the market, everything we sold, and it was, it was insane to see the reaction the city took to it. I, to watch the, the sales climb the way they did in January and to see the support that people showed in their city and in, in charity was awesome. And uh, a Prevention Point, I'm sorry, I may have cut you off. Oh, okay. uh, uh, prevention Point is? Uh, they deal with opioid, opioid crisis and people having uh, issues in that, in that state. So we, we thought it was very important. So that was why we chose that charity specifically right now. So Harpoon uh, in, in Boston, uh, they needed to sell your beer in their brewery? Well, neither of us can sell it. We would have had to give it to other people. So legally speaking, no one could sell it. But you could, we could send our beer to them and they could give it to people. And they have yard. They were wearing, uh, there's a, a photo going around of them wearing yards, employ, you know, yard shirts, hats, tap handles and stuff. So it was, they, were, they were very good sports about it, I must say. We need to take a break. When we come back, we go to the shore to check out the best beer in America. Welcome back to the Beer and Booze Bros. Cape May Brewery was the only game in town in Cape May County, New Jersey, when it opened in 2011. Times have changed, and soon there will be about 10 breweries in Cape May County alone. Cape May has been awarded all sorts of honors. Recently, its Sour Blonde Ale, called Top Sale, was named, get this, best beer in the entire country by Beer Connoisseur. And how about that, John? It's a sour, a Belgian blonde invaded by like 20 varieties of wild yeast. Pretty impressive. And, uh, well, we should say that it's not available anymore. It's sold out. Oh, it's sold out immediately. But they may replicate it. Yeah, the the issue, I think the brewer said the issue was um, getting that same mix because you don't know where the wild yeast is going to go and how it's going to interact with, with the beer, but they're going to give it a shot. Okay, so we took a road trip to the shore and met up with Jimmy Vaughn. He's the director of brewing. Put on your safety glasses. He's taking us on a tour. Well, you're smelling the wart is what you're smelling right now. So we're here in front of our brew house. Uh, it's a 30-barrel system. Uh, barrels. Brewers measure beer in weird ways. We measure here in the U.S. in barrels. One barrel is 31, one barrel is 31 gallons. He keeps doing that at perfect timing. Uh, 31 gallons makes a barrel. Why in the hell they chose 31 gallons? I have no idea. I don't think anybody knows. That's something that's lost to history, but that's become standard here in the U.S. So this, uh, this part here is where it all starts off. This is where we mix all the ingredients together that form the wort. Uh, that's W-O-R-T, that will eventually be fermented into beer. So we call this the hot side because it's all dealing with heat and hot water or the uh, wort production side or the brew house. You have to take a tour before drinking a beer in the tasting room, either guided or self-guided. 
It's the law. So I hear we have to take this tour. In New Jersey, by law, you have to get a tour of a craft brewery at a tasting room. You have to get a tour before you can get your pints. Um, up until 2012, tasting rooms in New Jersey were actually illegal. You couldn't buy, you could only get like maybe one or two four-ounce samples, and that was it. And then any other beer that you wanted, you had to buy and take it to go. So, and then in 2012, they legalized tasting rooms where you can sit and have a pint or two or five or 12 or however many you want and try all sorts of different beers and have flights and all that jazz but when they did that they put in the uh, new jersey uh, abc put in some stipulations because the restaurant and uh, bar lobby here in the state which is very very powerful uh saw craft breweries and craft brewery tasting rooms as a bit of a threat so oh you know if people are going directly to the source to get their beer then they're not coming to my bar so was the idea there are many studies that show that that's not the case, that bars that sell beers with, uh, that sell beers from nearby breweries with tasting rooms actually see an increase in the sales of those beers. There are plenty of studies that show that, but nonetheless, they put in these stipulations. And now, the fun part. Wow. wow. A nice big selection oh here. What have you yeah. brought us, Jimmy? We've got... I wanted to bring a, 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 a nice wide variety of flavors that we've got going on here. Some of our uh, more specialty beers, some of them uh, are our flagships, and, uh, you know, just wanted to try and couple of different things. we got some IPAs, some sours, some porters. So we'll start off with this one. Okay. This is one of our uh, year-round availables. It's always available on draft. Uh, it's honey porter. So it's a dark, nice porter-style beer. We use local honey uh, from, a, from a local area just up the road. Uh, uh, added to it as well. And uh, the style, uh, is sip, smell first? Is that, or is that just oh, you right. being we want to get into all is that you technical. Being a pro? No, no. So all technical. First is appearance. Ah. So first you want to look at it. You know, hold it up to the light. Is it clear? Is it cloudy? Uh, does it have bits floating around in it? Is it the right color? This is this is a porter, so you shouldn't. You know, we're probably not going to see any any chunks floating around, even if they were in there. It's a nice dark porter, <laughs> but it is clear. You can, I can look through it, and I can actually see the lights behind it uh, up there. You want to look at the head. You know, how does what does the foam look like? Is it there? Is it or is it retaining at all? This one, you know, it's not it's not really retaining all that much, but it's got a. Slightly tan colored head to it there. And then the next thing you want to do is smell. So just give a couple of us of short sniffs first. Because you want your olfactory sensors to kind of get used to what's going on, especially as you go from beer to beer. Really get your nose in there. So this one obviously what comes out first are these like roasted notes, little hint of nuttiness. Is it a, is it a plus to have a bigger nose? Uh, is it a plus to have a bigger nose? <laughs> I don't know, you usually end up with beer on your nose. Yeah, not yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And then you know, start off with small sips as well, because you want your palate to get used to. We don't want to just inundate it with a whole bunch of beer coming right back. So it's probably going to take a couple of sips, especially like after this, we're probably going to go to an IPA. So it's going to take a few sips for your palate to readjust to, uh, uh, to what it's tasting in the IPA. There's going to be more fruitiness and a higher bitterness in there. So, and we do that because you never want to start with an IPA because that's going to blanket your palate right away. If you went from the IPA to this porter, this porter would taste bland. It would be like, what? There's nothing going on in there. It's so, there's like hardly anything there. And you would miss a lot of those subtleties. This is, uh, um, uh, our flagship double IPA. It's called Coastal Evacuation. Okay. Uh, comes out at um, eight point six percent alcohol. Ah. All right. So a couple of short sniffs. All right. Take a taste. I, I know you were saying over there that you were going to kind of try to trick us. Well, I can't do it now. Oh. If you're saying that you're tricking, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's all right. Well, can we? Sorry, yeah. what we got? Can we? I got this. Can he describe what he's tasting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What is it? That you, what is it that you? I'm getting all the aroma or smelling, off the smell. I'm, I'm getting notes of 
formaldehyde and feet. Formaldehyde? <laughs> Boy, you were messed up. <laughs> I now all I can taste you. is formaldehyde. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so what, seriously, what are, you, what are you smelling? Oh, piney. Pi- piney, piney, piney. I'm getting some getting piney. Piney? Well, no, 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 no. Huh? Juicy. Yeah? Juicy? Come on, you can do it. All right. It opens up. I'll taste it. Come on, you can do this. I know you can do this. I want to know a really funny trick. If you want to really get uh, a, a nice way to get really deep in there, it yes. just looks really silly. Yeah. Plug your nose. Yeah. Really? And as you plug your nose, yeah. take a sip. Yes. <laughs> and right as you swallow, open up and exhale out through your nose. Yeah. But don't spit as, as you swallow. Don't spit right it out after you swallow. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Let me try it again. <laughs> um, so, so what that what so that it's, does? It's citrus, right? Like lemongrass. Yeah. Yes. Citrus. Yes, yes. I'm getting. Yep. Citrus zest. There is that hint of pine in there. You know, a little bit of juicy. So there's, uh, yep. There's pine. There's definitely a lot of citrus. But what kind of citrus? There's like grapefruit citrus, so, so orange I'm, I'm citrus, lemon, lemon I'm citrus, lemongrass. Lemongrass. Okay, yeah. I, I get like a lemon citrus. Okay. Not so much a lemongrass, but everybody's palate is different as well. I hate you yeah. both. <laughs> Damn it. And, and indeed, that's what's in this. Uh, lemon. Yeah, yeah. The, well, no lemon. No, the hops. All the those hops. flavors come from the hops. So we picked a nice variety of hops that give us those. So this has uh, this has Centennial, Apollo, a little bit of Simcoe, and some Citra. Do, do you feel that uh, that there is a trend in certain years to like a grapefruit taste? Oh, or, absolutely. Or is there? What, oh yeah. What is? This? What's the trend? Uh, the, the New England style IPA is the biggest trend right now, and that's very, very low bitterness, if any. So, wow. so this that's what a New England IPA is. New England is. style IPA is very low bitterness, uh, lots of haze, and a, and a bigger body to it. So it's thicker, it's a little bit more viscous, viscous. it's got more mouthfeel to it. With the very low bitterness, it may, tends to make it a bit sweeter. But then what they do is all the hops that go into it are all these big, very juicy, very tropical styles of hops. And it tastes like a tropical juice you know it's, it's beer but it's got this big tropical juice flavor to it uh, I've had some that was like wow somebody dropped a little bit of beer in my pineapple juice and I don't think those are very good so yeah. my colleagues disagree and like oh this is really good I'm like it just tastes like pineapple juice but then there are others that are complex like there's papaya and there's mango and there's still like a little hint of pine from that old school hop I'm kind of old school so I kind of dig that and they're like it's very complex there's more going on here and, and it's fantastic but here's on to the next one all right this one uh, uh, Paul you're gonna hate uh, this is this is one of our sours. Oh yes. no! And it's and it's pretty sour as well. This is this is a Berliner Weiss style beer. So it's a German style sour, a wheat beer that comes from Berlin, Berliner Weiss. And the name so this is called Tower Twenty Three. Uh, it's named after a local World War II lookout tower here, uh, right on the beach in Cape May. That was called Tower Twenty Three. It's got uh, its brother, its twin brothers on the other side of the bay over in Delaware. That's like Tower Fifty Nine or something like that. So we named it after that. Uh, we're very you know we like. To, we like to be local. So this is a, a kettle sour. It's a wheat beer that we then soured overnight. Sometimes this is another trick to really get the aroma. Get it down a little bit, cover it up, swirl it around, and then as soon as you lift off your hands, stick your nose in there and get a whiff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. What do you think about this? Uh, I, I'm okay with this. Yeah. Um, Why are you okay with this? Because you really don't like sour. It's not making me pucker. Ah, gotcha. If I don't pucker, I'm good. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no, the sour is very pucker. It's got yeah. that big pucker flavor to it. You know, it, it does make you pucker up. It gets you on the back okay. of the tongue, right yeah, on the yeah, sides yeah, yeah, there, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, it, and, and it is and it is there. This is not very bitter, so this does not have a whole lot of bitterness going on. Right. The bitterness in this is very, very low. This is yeah. tasty. Yeah. That might be but it. This might, you know, this is this is a Berliner Weiss, and Berliner Weisses tend to be that more approachable sour style. It's one of the reasons why it shows this. So, okay. for somebody who says they don't like sours, I thought that this might be something that's a little bit more approachable and not going to be like, bam, you know, in your face. I'm really trying, you I am trying my darndest to get him to like sours. Right, or well, perhaps this will be my gateway. All right, gateway. This might do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the things that I also like about, especially this kind of sour, very low ABV. This is only like three point nine percent alcohol. Mm. Oh wow! So I could drink this all day. Good long. summer beer, right? Yeah. This oh yeah, great summer beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic yeah. to have in the summer. Yeah, I could totally. see drinking this in the summer. Yeah. yeah. Our last one here. This is a big beast. So again, um, I just touched the microphone. This is a big beast. Don't feel like you have to drink all this. This one is at ten and a half percent alcohol. This is uh, our most recent uh, holiday release that we call Bows of Barley. So we release it just before Thanksgiving every year. Uh, this It's a different beer, and we age it in different barrels. So this year, it was a dark Belgian-style ale that we aged in fresh used, uh, or, or we aged in fresh bourbon barrels and in fresh cognac barrels. So half of it went into one barrel, half of it went into the other barrel. This is the cognac barrel variant. And this actually just won an award for the best non-whiskey barrel-aged beer for the Mid-Atlantic region in a uh, local competition. So, yeah, or in a nationwide competition. Well, cheers to you on this last one, fellas. Thank you. So... This has a lot going on. It was, yes. yeah. It's a it's a big Belgian ale yeah. that was then aged in cognac barrels for about nine months. I'm getting the cognac right on mm-hmm. the nose. No, get, so not just that. Are these repurposed uh, cognac barrels? Like you, we you bought actually these, buy these barrels and then brew in them. We 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 buy the barrels uh, from a wholesaler. They came straight from I believe they actually came from Hennessy in France. They are straight from France. Uh, thank you. No yes. problem, guys. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. That's Jimmy. all the time I've got. I, oh I, yeah. I, I just yeah. We, we got over there absolutely. now. Yeah. Dr. Alfred Schuyler is the curator emeritus in the botany department at the Academy of Natural Sciences of Drexel University. He is a botany and beer expert. That's quite the combination, isn't it? It certainly is. <laughs> gives talks. Uh, he gives talks at various venues on the origin and evolution of beer. Dr. Schuyler met me for a beer at an establishment in the Art Museum neighborhood. Talk about the history of beer, among other things. Your botanist, um, and I guess a lot of people don't realize that in be- alcoholic beverages, there are plants in many of our drinks. There certainly are. Uh, we start out with malted barley. Uh, cultivated barley originated about 10,000 years ago. Uh, Hornium vulgari evolved from Hornium spontaneum, became a new species thanks to the human hand. And how did we do that, you ask? How did they do that? Okay, uh, here's how they do it. Uh, you know, when you take barley to the bin, uh, you have to pick it up and carry it to the bin. That strain of barley, that's the one that continued to survive because that's the one that was planted. So this barley is on a stiff stem and we can recognize going to fossil record records 10,000 years ago, what barley has a stiff stem and what barley does not. And that's how we know when cultivated barley evolved from wild barley. 
I'll think about that the next time I have a barley wine beer. I sure hope so. What is yeast? Yeast is not a plant. Okay. Uh, yeast is a fungus. Uh, but it took us a long time to know what yeast was. In fact, it wasn't until near the end of the 19th century that Louis Pasteur figured out. And then uh, a brewer in Denmark isolated it, and now we have uh, brewer's yeast. These are little microscopic critters uh, that are very effective in fermentation. Uh, we're very dependent on them. This may be the future of brewing, because uh, there are a lot of wild yeasts out there. Somebody just has to go out and capture them. What other boozy botanicals are there? I guess you'd say Middle Ages. One of the biggest plants for brewing was Mirica Gale, uh, or commonly known as bog myrtle. And this made the beer bitter, much as the way that hops do. There are many other plants, so what they were using in beer besides uh, barley, which is always there, they called the mixture gruet. And Charlemagne uh, arranged for gruet, the ingredients of gruet, to be taxed. So it was important that they used the particular plants that they had to pay taxes on. And the bog myrtle was one. Now, in Scotland, before then, uh, along with the beer, they were including hallucinogenic plants. Some think that beer and other alcoholic beverages are connected to early religion. It's a religious experience. And if you can put in uh, belladonna, you really get a religious experience. And if you put in poison hemlock, you go straight to heaven. <laughs> or hell. <laughs> or hell, whatever may be the case. So even mugwort, which is a common weed, uh, was used in beer in Spain. And all of them did something. Made it clear, or they added an element of a flavor that you wouldn't ordinarily get. Just malt alone doesn't quite cut it. You've got to have something to give it a little more pizzazz. Although right now I'm drinking a lager and I'm getting the malt, which sometimes is very pleasing. They take beer very seriously here. Get your own room. Hey, no, we're going to do No, we're not going to do food. We're just going to drink heavily. Yeah. So hops can grow in this climate. Hops can, but it does better out west. New York State used to be the region where most hops were grown, but there's a fungus problem that comes up when they're grown in humid areas. Uh, they do much better in uh, drier parts of the country. No, they are also in the marijuana family, I understand. Yes, they are. They're very closely related to marijuana. Uh, but uh, I would take hops over marijuana any day. And do people smoke hops? <laughs> I think uh, if they did, they might want to see a therapist. Uh, Colonial times, spruce and other plants were used, correct? Yes. Uh, we had a beer called spruce beer. George Washington drank it. Uh, ben Franklin brewed it. Uh, this is fermented molasses. And, but sometimes, particularly the British, uh, the Navy would crush a biscuit and put it in. Beer uh, basically is responsible for civilization. Uh, but, you know, we were ruining uh, 
the water. Yeah. And if people didn't drink beer, they wouldn't live. In colonial times, uh, they would drink beer because the water was polluted. Is that mm-hmm. is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's better to drink beer than to drink polluted water. Uh, but we have we have we have made progress in that area. You know, they're making traditional cocktails with a twist at the bar of a Lebanese restaurant in Fishtown. John goes to Soraya, where ingredients used in Middle Eastern cooking are spicing up some of the drinks. Hi, John McDevitt here at Soraya in the 1500 block of Frankfurt Avenue, speaking with Aaron Deary, originally from Derry, County Derry in Ireland. Aaron is the beverage manager here at Soraya. I'm sampling two different types of Negronis. These ones have been around for a long time. How do you improve? How do you put it twist? How, how do your drinks here make it worthwhile for people to come here? It's getting more and more difficult. There's a lot of good. Darn good though. Yeah, like, there's a lot of good bartenders out there, and you know what you try to do is to try to improve the drink or to completely change the drink. But keeping the you know the the substance there you know which is either Campari or you know the bitterness that, that proves with the sweetness. So what I wanted to do was I'm a big lover of rum, and I brought in the Eldorado 12 year, and I was like, Jesus, I lo- I'd love to make this into like a good Negroni. So what I did was I paired that with uh, Contrado, which is like a bitter Italian liqueur similar to Campari, uh, a Martelletti sweet vermouth, which is a really nice strong Milano uh, vermouth, it's very similar to Carpano, and uh, and then what I did was I used Tempest Fugit creme de cacao and I infused that with a little bit of urfa which is like a smoked dry pepper um, which is used in a lot of Lebanese and Syrian dishes which so gives how, that a little heat on the end. So that's how you're incorporating the flair of the restaurant like this yep. is a Lebanese restaurant mm-hmm. so you're, you're kind of making more modern and, and complementing the fare with, with the drink. With exactly the yep. Campari is a, a Italian. An Italian aperitif. It's like it's, it's bitter yeah. as hell. Um, so I, I, I hate Campari because uh-huh. it's that like almost like a diet better. soda. Oh, there's Campari in, in in those two, right? Yep. I didn't taste that. So the Campari in the original, um, it's uh, so it's equal parts. Yes. And then with mine, I use a Contrato, which is similar to Campari, but it's Contrato, which is a really good winemaker in Italy. And uh, I use their products. I prefer. Is it because it's because it's uh, elevated? Like it's, the it's... the bitterness isn't as aggressive, so it lingers better with the rum. So wow. So so, I, so you're going. So that's where the twist is. You're going and you're you're, you're finding products that you know, or, or, and and kind of elevating a traditional type of drink. Yep. Especially well, I, with a root, we work with a lot of wine reps. And, you know, we taste some great wine every single week, and they're lucky enough to bring in their vermouths or their styles of liqueurs. And you know, I'm spoiled for the most part, and I get to taste all these beautiful things and incorporate them in the cocktails. Very cool. Well, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, that's it. We'll be back for another round of Beer and Booze Bros real soon. You can find and subscribe to Beer and Booze Bros on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And you can find me on Twitter, backwards, at Kurtz Paul, and John is at John McDevitt, KYW. Tom Ricker pulled up a stool with us at the Beer and Booze Bar to help produce this episode. Cheers, Johnny. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Paul.